Plugged In Podcast, presented by the Institute for Energy Research. To find out more about our work, visit our website at instituteforenergyresearch.org. Welcome back to the Plugged In Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. I'm a policy analyst here at the Institute for Energy Research. Before we get to today's guests, I want to remind our listeners to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you're listening. Rating and reviewing the podcast helps other people find our work. Now to today's guest. Joining me today to discuss shale development in Pennsylvania is Tom Shepstone. Tom is the owner of Shepstone Management Company, Inc., a planning and research consulting firm located in Northeast Pennsylvania. He has worked with both public and private clients throughout New York and Pennsylvania over the last 35 years, shepherding development projects through the approval process, conducting market studies for major commercial and residential projects, and working with communities to, eval- to evaluate projects. He's consulted with and served as a spokesperson for Energy in Depth to promote natural gas development in the Appalachian shale regions. Tom is also the publisher of naturalgasnow.org, a blog focused on shale development from the perspective of laborers, landowners, rural communities, and the natural gas industry, including pipeline companies. He has, on behalf of industry, government, and his own blog, conducted numerous analyses on the impacts of the Marcellus shale development on economic development, land prices, and consumer savings, as well as the environmental contributions of natural gas. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alex. Great to be with you. So with my conversations with a lot of people, not a lot of people know this, but uh, Pennsylvania is now the second largest natural gas producing state in the country. And the oil and gas industry in the state, you know, it supports hundreds of thousands of jobs and contrib- contributes billions of dollars a year to that state's economy. So I, I think a good place to start is to just talk a little bit about the journey that Pennsylvania took to get there. How did development of the Marcellus Shale start? And could you give us just sort of a brief history of the growth of the industry there? Sure. Of course, Pennsylvania has always been an oil and gas state, uh, but never to the degree that we are today. And it really started, uh, I would say, in 2006, 2007. Uh, We had some drilling, I believe, uh, range resources may have done some drilling in southwestern Pennsylvania in 2006 or 7, something like that. Uh, then there was some uh, early stuff in Bradford County and uh, and Susquehanna County, uh, which uh, Susquehanna, I believe, started in 2007. Now, this all was an outgrowth, of course, of a, uh, a well-known study um, from uh, Penn State and also from the uh, New York SUNY system. Uh, two two people worked together, uh, and two professors worked together and developed a a model, if you will, to show that the potential of the Marcellus Shale was enormous, and that led to uh, an explosion of interest by gas companies. And um, you know, I recall specifically growing growing up on a farm in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. Uh, my dad, for many years, you know, every ten or so years, somebody would come through some oil or gas company and they'd give you a dollar an acre or two dollars an acre for, for a lease. And it was pocket, you know, it was, it was found pocket money, you know, and, uh, and then we'd forget about it. You know, that was the end of it. Sure. And because uh, uh, nothing ever happened. Well, all of a sudden in 2007, uh, it, it, it became serious with somebody all, all of a sudden offering $25 an acre. And of course, that was a result of what was going on in in uh, Washington County and Bradford County and that sort of thing. And, uh, and then it went from 25 to 50 to 75 to 150 to 250 to 500. And, and I can tell you that at the end of the day, uh, we were selling for $2,500 an acre 
in our area. So that's how it started. That's what attracted me to the whole thing uh, because of the sudden activity. I'm a planner by trade. I do a lot of work for industry as well as municipalities and uh, government and that sort of thing. So uh, I was kind of drawn to this natural resource issue and, and that, that's really how it, how it began both in the state and uh, began for me, to be honest with you. And you run a blog called Natural Gas Now, which has sort of grown up along with the industry in the state. Right. I really just want to highlight that for our listeners because, you know, it's somewhere that I go to a lot for just news and information about what's going sure. on in uh, Marcellus there. Um, sure. Talk a little bit about, you know, what were your goals for the blog when it started and, you know, how, how has that project sort of expanded over time? And, yep. you know, what are your goals with Natural Gas Now? Well, it's very interesting because when I first got involved, and as I said, in 2007, 2008, um, I was trying to learn as fast as I could. I was looking at what some people were doing, and I wasn't terribly impressed with it from the standpoint of the landowner. So uh, I proceeded to start you know, sharing articles, sharing perspectives, uh, just sending out emails, you know, and uh, lo and behold, uh, uh, the folks at Energy in Depth, uh, I, I put them on my list and they called me one day in 2011 and said, how would you like to run our, our Marcellus program for a, a bit? And so we did. I ran it for uh, three years. Great experience, great people. Um, and we had a, had a group there. And, and uh, at a certain point, after about three years, uh, it was time for me, you know, we had it established and it was time to move on. And uh, I decided, well, I'll, I'll just do my own blog. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy writing. I always enjoyed writing. And uh, I have a particular perspective and uh, wanted to share that. So that's how it started. And uh, we've slowly built a, you know, a rather large uh, mailing list. Uh, we, you know, we, we do, we've had as many as uh, 75,000 page views per month. Um, not always that high, but we, we get a lot of page views. We have a great following among, well, two, two groups of people, really. Uh, one is uh, the industry folks themselves, people like yourself, I would call an industry person, even though you're not working for a gas company, you're, you're, you're in the industry. Uh, and the second is uh, landowners, uh, the second group. The uh, landowners in my area, I'm in Wayne County, Pennsylvania, the only county in Pennsylvania with natural gas resources that can't develop them because we're in the Delaware River Basin Commission. So to me, uh, appealing to those landowners is very important. And of course, when I was with the EID for three years, we spent a lot of time trying to help uh, landowners in New York State uh, get approval to develop their gas resources. Uh, that never happened because of the governor. That's another whole story. But um, the bottom line is we have a great following of people both in my immediate area and in New York State uh, that allowed me to get into this. I then uh, developed relationships with companies like Cabot Oil and Gas, uh, Williams and, and other people, uh, other you know, several other industry players uh, who like what I was saying and doing. And so we, we get some support from the industry and I also get support from landowners. Um, and that's the focus of our blog. It's, it's kind of uh, two parts to it. And I always try to uh, reflect both perspectives whenever I can. Uh, and we've grown a lot. We, we have a good following. And uh, uh, we right now, um, I, I tend to push uh, a lot of facts. I also tend to do a lot of pushback on, uh, as you do at IER, you know, the uh, Institute for Energy Research. You folks do a lot of pushback. Uh, and I like that. And, uh, and I try to do a lot of advocacy for the industry because I truly believe 
this is the only industry that really offers the potential for economic revitalization of large parts of rural America in certain states like Pennsylvania uh, and New York for that matter uh, and others. Uh, and it, it does so with a minimal disturbance to land. That's the ironic part. <laughs> That's the ironic thing. You can do, you can earn so much money with so little impact and uh, that, Im and I'm talking about both impact on the land as well as uh, impact on the environment as a whole. We know that natural gas, for example, is the reason, the only reason really, that we have been able to uh, reduce our carbon emissions. Now, I'm not a big, I'm not a guy to be, I don't lay awake at night worrying about carbon emissions, but uh, it doesn't matter what I think about it. The bottom line is we know the natural gas industry contributes greatly, and I think you personally have written about this, contributes wonderfully to reducing those car carbon emissions if that's what we're concerned about. Um, and so that's the kind of thing we try to do. It's a combination of uh, science, economics, energy policy, that sort of thing. So you mentioned that a lot of what you focus on is um, sort of highlighting the industry and the benefits of what the industry does in the community there. And um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show today was that uh, you recently released a, uh, a blog highlighting a report from the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy um, which does a really good job of showing some of the direct and indirect benefits of, you know, the industry's operations there in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Their report, uh, the analysis details the increased revenue flowing into the state's uh, coffers there uh, because of income generated by landowners. And uh, this is particularly taking place in Northeast Pennsylvania, um, as well as some of the areas surrounding Pittsburgh there. For people who aren't familiar with sort of how royalty payments work and how money flows then from that to um, the state through taxes. Could you walk us through the ways that the industry, the industry generates uh, revenue for both landowners and then um, for the state as well? Yeah, sure. Well, from the state perspective, uh, there's two, there's two uh, sources really. One is the Pennsylvania corporate income tax, of course, uh, because these are corporations that are doing business in Pennsylvania, the drillers I'm talking about, and also pipeline companies and so on. Uh, they are paying they are paying Pennsylvania corporate income tax, and that is a significant uh, factor. And we have the Marcellus Shale impact fees, um, which are very large, about about two hundred million dollars per year, uh, that go throughout Pennsylvania, not just shale counties. The emphasis is on shale counties because that's where the impact is theoretically. So uh, a, the bulk of the money does go that direction, but there's also money going to every municipality in the state. Um, and uh, the impact fees is, is, a, is a major source of, of revenue. Uh, there's also, and this is what this Allegheny Institute study and my embellishment of it um, get into, there's also personal income to individuals who are, um, or corporations that are spinoffs of the industry. And for example, you know, we have suppliers. Uh, we have, uh, for example, one that comes to mind immediately in Susquehanna County is a fellow who has uh, six different stores where he rents out uh, small equipment and primarily the gas industry. Well, he's obviously benefiting. He's paying corporate income tax and probably personal income tax and so on. Uh, and that's true all through the supply chain. And then we have the, uh, the uh, landowners who are earning two types of income from gas. One is uh, lease bonuses, we call them, lease bonus payments. 
which are made at the time a individual, a landowner, signs an agreement with a lease with the gas company, there is an immediate bonus payment. So if you sign a five-year lease uh, with a company, uh, that usually provides for an automatic renewal if they actually drill. But up front, you get a, a bonus payment, uh, upfront payment for the lease. And that is what we're talking about with the per acre fee that I was talking about earlier. That's the lease bonus payment. And of course, that is income. So uh, whether you're a corporation or whether you're a individual, you're paying uh, income tax on that. So you get personal income yourself, and then you get income, you're paying income into the state. And that's what the two reports that Allegheny did and I did are about. And finally, I just want to throw in one other thing. It's sort of an indirect in income to Pennsylvania, and that is lowered costs. I mean, when this started, uh, the price of gas, I think it went as high as $14 per cubic foot at one point, I believe, because we were, you know, we were in a, a growing shortage situation, a, a real pinch. And uh, along came shale, and now we're talking, you know, two bucks, three bucks at most uh, at the moment uh, per cubic foot. So the, the savings to individuals, it's really a tax cut if you think about it. it, it uh, and the same for the state and anybody else, anybody using natural gas is getting tremendous savings. But, but going back to the uh, lease, lease revenue, there's also um, um, royalties. You know, once you pay your, you get your lease bonus payment, uh, things may or may not happen after that. If there's actually drilling, you know, I received lease bonus payments myself, but with no drilling because we weren't allowed. But where there is drilling and, and neighboring Susquehanna County, for example, uh, then there's immediate royalty payments. And those royalty payments are a min minimum of 12.5% after, you know, after cost. And uh, uh, they can be as high as 20% in some cases. Uh, I would say a typical figure is probably in the 15% to 18% range, uh, something like that. And, and the two reports, the Allegheny Institute started uh, looking at this and they said, well, look, there's some Pennsylvania income tax data out there. And I did not know that data existed, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm a, I'm a data guy. I, I work with it all the time. I love crunching data. But the uh, Allegheny Institute uh, discerned where this data was. They analyzed it and they found that there was a category that included uh, normal rent. It included uh, patent and, and copyright income, and it included uh, royalties from oil and gas development. Um, so uh, two of those categories potentially, you know, include oil and gas revenue, the, the rent and the, of course, the royalty income. And so um, the Allegheny Institute properly said, look, this is a great proxy for measuring the overall impact of oil and gas. And they're right. Um, and they looked at 11 counties in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, eight of them were from southwestern Pennsylvania and three were from northeastern Pennsylvania. And they made some, you know, really good conclusions. They found that between 2011 uh, and 2018, that um, the, the, there was a gain of $499 million uh, in that income. And that was about 30% of the, of the gain statewide. So right away you say, whoa, that's, that's a significant number. And, um, but, um, I was talking to some people from the industry and uh, they, they said, well, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more on uh, what's going on in Northeastern Pennsylvania because there's only three counties measured there. 
And we have a we have a sense that Northeastern could be a big part of this, uh, maybe bigger than what the Allegheny Institute suggested. Uh, they didn't say anything wrong, but we just thought there was there was more to be explored. Sure. And um, so um, I conducted my own study using their techniques, their you know their approach. Uh, I added some data. Um, I, you know, I, I looked at the the entire perspective. They they did study the bit going back to 2006. Uh, but I looked at everything from 2006 through 2018, and I focused on six counties, uh, the five counties of the northern tier, which are Bradford, uh, Susquehanna, Tioga, Sullivan, and Wyoming, plus Lycoming County. Now, um, uh, for their, your listeners who are not familiar with that geography, this is sort of the northeastern corner of the state, not exactly, but pretty close. And the... Um, uh, those five counties that are in the northern tier, uh, Bradford is the uh, is the location of uh, Wyalusing and Tawanda, which are communities you might, some of your listeners may have heard of. Susquehanna County is where Montrose is. It's the endless mountains region of Pennsylvania. Lycoming County is uh, a little bit outside the endless mountains, but is the home of Williamsport, where uh, you know Little League baseball sure. is headquartered and and the airplane industry uh, uh, helped get its start there and uh, so on and so forth. So William, and Williamsport is, a, uh, is actually a steel manufacturing town. Uh, there's some steel companies there. So, so you have a little bit, of, you have five very rural counties and then you have Lycoming, which is a combination of a small city and a surrounding rural area. Uh, and so we looked at those six counties and we found the data was even more impressive than what it was for the, you know, the state as a whole for those 11 counties. Um, and really, really jumped out, and I'll be happy to share that if you wish. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question, if you could just walk us through the numbers there and yeah, sort of the trajectory sure. in, in terms of the revenue that's been generated. Sure. Well, one of the things we looked at, they didn't really look at, they being the Allegheny Institute, was uh, not only the income, but the number of taxpayers who were paying this sort of, uh, um, in, or earning this sort of income. And uh, so I looked at those six counties and, of course, the total for them. And uh, what I found was, uh, now get this, in Susquehanna County, which is the number one, you know, producer of gas right now in Pennsylvania. Um, and if you think about it, I, I think I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but uh, a significant portion of the entire gas produced in the entire United States is produced right in Susquehanna County. Yeah. Um, and the uh, they had in 2006 899 people paying uh, indicating they had earned rent royalty or patent copyright income. Now um, that was a very small number, less than a thousand. In 2018, they had 5,646 people uh, taxpayers indicating they had that income. Huge, huge jump, which which is only explainable by one thing, obviously, uh, natural gas development. Throughout northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, didn't increase quite as dramatically, but it increased substantially from 7,831 taxpayers with that income to 22,540. 22, so it about tripled there. In the case of uh, Susquehanna County, it, it, uh, it basically more than quintupled. Okay, so, um, so what you see is a tremendous increase overall. And, and when you compare that to Pennsylvania as a whole, or to other parts of Pennsylvania, let's do that. Other parts of Pennsylvania that are not shale counties, you find 
that they only increased by, uh, well, roughly a third. Well, yeah, roughly a third, okay? So, um, so their increase was you know, significant, but not, not, not that impressive from 217,000 to 275,000, okay? So um, not, a, not a huge, a significant jump, but not a huge jump. Nothing like what's happening in these shale counties. I mean, the shale counties are just blowing it out of the water in terms of the income. And then when you look at the income itself, uh, the numbers are even more startling. Because here you go from uh, in Susquehanna County, as an example, you go from eight million dollars of income in um, from that source in 2006 to 248 million uh, in in 2018. So they essentially gained 240 million dollars uh, just in Susquehanna County uh, from that. And the same thing for the state as a whole. It went from uh, uh, 69, uh, 69, not for the state as a whole, for Northeastern Pennsylvania as a whole, it went from 69 million to 625 million. Whereas again, in Pennsylvania, as the other parts of Pennsylvania that didn't have shale, it only went from a little less than 3 million to about five and a half million. So we, we just see this enormous impact. And, and if you look at it, you can see where the jump occurs. It jumped 600% in Northeastern Pennsylvania in one year, from 2007 to 2008, one year jumped 600%. So that, that statistic alone tells you the magnitude, the sheer magnitude, the volume, the bulk of the impact of this industry on rural counties. And Susquehanna County is a, is a community of about 40,000 people that was going nowhere. Beautiful county, I love it. I've done a lot of work up there over the years, uh, but it wasn't really going anywhere, you know? And, and now we see people, Building homes, uh, developing businesses, uh, prospering. We see uh, nonprofits doing much better. We see you know new facilities being built, like a hospital. And this is all attributable to this this income. I mean, it's really tremendous. And uh, and what you see is that that uh, the in that income in Susquehanna County essentially increased by over three thousand percent. Three thousand percent. Remarkable. It is remarkable. And, you know, my, my own conversations with people in the state, um, I have family that lives in the Greensburg area, which oh, is yeah. south of kind of where you're talking about yep. a lot of these counties. But um, they're not tied to the industry in any way. But I've asked them at least before, and it's, it's anecdotal, but, you know, was the impact of of uh, of the shale revolution and they echo a lot of what you're saying that a lot of these rural areas where um, the economic opportunity in the past maybe you know was quite limited um, right. this has completely changed the economic sort of dynamics of a lot of those counties and you know we, we tend to focus on uh, you know the jobs that are created and the opportunities in the economy but there's also a sort of indirect aspect of this which I'd like to get just sort of your thoughts on in, in, in the form yeah. of, you know, the, the revenue that's going to the state too. I would have to imagine that this has completely changed um, sort of the budget outlooks of some of these counties and a lot of circumstances and their ability to pay for public services and things. No question. One of the big changes has been in emergency services. And of course, there's a, you know, there's a direct relationship. Uh, everybody wants to be prepared in the event of something goes wrong, you know, and, uh, uh, and the trucking and all that sort of thing. There are impacts, you know, and uh, so the, a lot of the companies have wisely invested, in my opinion, in emergency services. 
and making sure their fire companies are given support and training, new facilities, new county administrate uh, emergency centers. Uh, several counties have done that with their shale money. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, parkland that's been done with shale money too. Uh, this is one of the things that doesn't get mentioned a lot. And, and don't forget, there's money that goes directly to the state itself in the form of leases and licenses. Uh, and that is the, uh, when, we, when we lease out uh, uh, the forest lands, county, uh, state forest lands in Pennsylvania that the Department of Conservation and Natural Resources own, they have a lot of wells on this property. And, uh, and they are generating income uh, for not only the, uh, the uh, drillers, so to speak, but also, of course, the state itself. Uh, and there's a lot of additional parkland that's been created, a lot of parks that have been improved uh, as a result of shale. And that includes stream, stream restoration and everything else. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things like that and tremendous. And I would point out that the benefits here are not strictly to rural uh, counties. And I think that's where the big impact is. And I applaud that. But it's also Williamsport. I mean, Williamsport was a, a small city in trouble. And uh, Shale has saved it, I think. She, you, when you walk around downtown Williamsport today, you see a lot of new restaurants and new things and, and a lot of new stuff happening. And that's a direct outgrowth of Shale, no question. So, so we're talking about both rural and small city, a positive impact. It's certainly a testament to the idea that, you know, economic development and environmental safety and environmental concerns don't have to be conflicting with huh. each other. I, I think, Absolutely. you know, despite a lot of what, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of what, you know, people read in the news and stuff, the the story of shale development in Pennsylvania is a story about, you know, how, as you're saying, you know, from some of the money that is raised that money can be invested back into environmental um, yeah. um, projects and um, parkland and conservation and things. So, There's no question. I think at the time the whole thing started in Pennsylvania, we had a uh, we had Governor Ed Rendell, who was you know not a friend of of uh, the industry necessarily, but I think he understood that this was this this could all happen, and uh, as a result, I think he was fairly accommodating of the industry, and um, in the best sense of the word, and making sure that it was done correctly, uh, but that the state was able to benefit uh, from the development. And I think the, the uh, following him, of course, uh, um, uh, we had uh, other governors, both Republican and Democrat, who I think have generally done the same thing. I've not always been happy with our current governor, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about that. But uh, uh, they, they generally, uh, Pennsylvania has understood this is a this is an economic boom. That is something that I wanted to get to is, you know, every couple of months, I like to check in with someone from Pennsylvania about what's yeah. going on with current regulatory issues. Uh, before we move to that, though, I, I just want to make sure, is there anything that we haven't covered on sort of the royalty payments and stuff that... Um, I think you've covered it very well, Alex, and uh, and the report is available. I'm going to, uh, I haven't actually posted it on my blog yet, but it is uh, available. There is a link to it uh, yep. at my uh, consulting site, and I'm going to post it on the blog probably probably next week. Uh, I wanted to give people like yourself an opportunity to talk about it first. Yeah, we'll make sure that we link to it in the show notes and uh, I think right. we, we are planning on highlighting it at IER as well. So um, we'll be sure to make sure our listeners uh, get their yeah. eyes on that. Um, so despite all these benefits that we're talking about, uh, you know, th there's always this sort of uh, looming 
regulatory threat to the industry, uh, you know, not, not just in Pennsylvania, but uh, nationwide, really. And, you know, most recently in Pennsylvania, you know, one of the issues I was paying attention to back in February, there was some discussion about uh, a severance tax from Governor Wolf. Did a little bit of uh, looking around and haven't noticed much news about that. It's sort of fallen off the radar. Where are things with that severance tax proposal? And is it dead right now or is it? I think uh, it's dead, but not buried. And that's the problem. It's uh, uh, this is, I believe, the governor's seventh attempt. And I don't think he, I think it was pretty half-hearted. I think there's a little bit of uh, vindictiveness in our governor. And I think he wanted to, uh, I think he wanted to say, I'm never going to quit, you know. And uh, um, and again, he hasn't been the worst governor in the sense that uh, he is, uh, you know, he's, he's He's not. He's not been an Andrew Cuomo who's just caved into everything and and uh, uh, said we can't do this anymore. But what he what what he is doing is uh, he's he's playing along with what I would call some trendy ideas because uh, some of his constituency demands that trendiness. Um, and and I'm talking about, for example, the uh, regional greenhouse gas initiative, which is essentially a carbon tax. It's absolutely insane to do that in Pennsylvania. Uh, RGGI, Reggie, is uh, mostly the New England, New York and New England area. Uh, they don't produce anywhere near as much uh, natural gas or energy as we do. We're, we're a gas, we're an energy exporter. They are importers. It makes no sense for us to do this. No sense whatsoever. And the only reason the governor is doing it I think is to look good and you know with his natural constituencies, and uh, uh, it's too bad because um, you know uh, some sound reasoning I think by both Democrats and Republicans in the legislature would probably result in you know some some improvements and things, uh, things that people can all agree on. But right now there's uh, there's a bipartisan opposition to that, and there's also a bipartisan opposition to the severance tax. Um, and so I don't think I don't think the severance tax is going to go anywhere. I think the RGDI he's trying to impose by edict. Uh, I don't know if he'll ultimately be successful in that. I, I think that's going to come down to some court decisions. Um, it's very sad that he that he's determined to do it, just, just in spite of all the evidence from everybody that this makes no sense. Um, and I think it's because he plays into the uh, the whole Green New Deal idea. He plays into these greenhouse gas, climate warming, climate uh, change, global warming uh, scene. And again, while we're not necessarily, I'm certainly not adverse to uh, uh, saying that, that, that we have a role to play in, in all those things. As I said, I don't stay awake at night worrying about it. And, but I think he does in the sense that he, he doesn't want to be seen not doing these things. Okay. <laughs> It's political correctness personified. Sure. And uh, so I think that's the that's the issue we face both in Pennsylvania and probably nationwide too. Yeah, and Reggie, I'd point our listeners to uh, about a month and a half ago, I'd say we did an episode on that um, issue. Um, so I'll, I'll link to that episode. And then on the severance tax issue, you know, my understanding was that the latest proposal for it was tied to sort of funding economic recovery in the wake of the pandemic. Wasn't that kind of the way yeah. that it was couched? He's changed the excuse for it yeah. every time he's brought it up. Every time there's been a different reason for it, you know. 
And, uh, and I don't think any of those are the real reasons. You know, he talked about the uh, back, I think like his third try, he, uh, he, he, he uh, talked about what we needed to fund our schools. And then he went to a school district down in, in uh, Southeast Pennsylvania that has had a huge increase in their budget. Uh, and in fact, has gotten into trouble because they, they wasted so much money. And so, you know, he obviously didn't know the issue. Yeah. He, he obviously didn't do it. He, it's just political correctness. And uh, it's sad because we, we can do better than that. We, fortunately, we're not as bad as New York. I, will, I have to say that. You know, so. <laughs> Shifting to the national level, obviously, uh, with the Biden administration coming in, you know, there's a number of regulatory moves that they've made, rejoining Paris, um, right. the permitting ban on federal lands, which isn't probably so much of an issue in Pennsylvania because a lot of it, from my understanding, is done on, on private lands more so than out west. Right. Um, just if you could talk a little bit about um, how the industry is responding to the regulatory actions that are be t- being taken by the Biden administration and the sort of outlook there. Well, I think the industry is trying to fight back and it's a difficult issue because you have different sized players in the industry. Um, and we have, you know, we have small and independent oil and gas companies. We have medium-sized companies. We have same thing in the, uh, you know, the pipeline industry. Um, and we have very large players that are worldwide. Um, and they all have different perspectives on this. I think from a worldwide perspective, some of the very large companies uh, imagine that the best way to deal with all this is to uh, co-opt it a bit and to, to cooperate with it a bit. and uh, play along, if you will. Um, the, and so we're seeing, we're seeing that. Uh, we're seeing some of that. Uh, I don't think that's the smart way to go, personally, um, because I don't, I don't think any, the other side is ever satisfied at the end of the day with anything you do. Right. <laughs> and uh, so therefore, appeasement is just a never, never a good idea. But that is the direction of some in the industry. Uh, I think most of our Pennsylvania producers are are of a somewhat different mind, um, where I think most of them would would like to show that they're very responsible companies and that they have uh, done many great things that actually show they're the solution, not the problem. Um, But I don't think they wanna fall for the carbon tax, for example, and uh, either on a national level or a state level. So so there is some there is some fight, some pushback, but it's not it's not united, and that frankly that concerns me that we're that the industry is not united in this, and there's a everybody's kind of going in different directions, and that's never good. So um, I, I do think there's a you know we, we face some issues there down the road. Uh, I believe the Biden administration is is just a hundred percent committed to this uh, Green New Deal idea because it uh, rewards their natural constituencies, whether they be, you know, a big corporatist hedge funder groups, which are want to invest in, in green energy, or whether they be uh, environmental groups who are worried that the planet's going to die next week, you know. So, um, so I think it, those are two great constituencies for them and so for the Biden people. And so therefore, they're, they're obviously, they're, they're, they're going 100% with them. I mean, I, I don't see the only thing that the Biden administration has done, in my opinion, that's been positive has been, and it was actually started under Trump, they just merely continued it, uh, was that they have, they are standing by and it stood by 
to the Penn East uh, pipeline in a recent Supreme Court case, which is highly relevant because it deals with whether or not um, New Jersey can just arbitrarily stop the condemnation of land that it, in which it has just a, a farmland easement, for example, um, uh, on its own and prevent people in other states that, that need that gas from getting it. Uh, so it's a, it's a very big decision. It's before the Supreme Court, it's been argued. Uh, Penn East is optimistic about it. Uh, I would say their optimism is probably justified, but who knows? Uh, but the good part is the Biden administration folks did side with Penn East on that one. Very interesting. So, uh, so there is that. Yeah. that a lot that I uh, agree with there. Obviously, you make a very good point about the industry. Uh, a lot of times, people talk about the oil and gas industry as if as if it's sort of a monolith, and that's right. Very, very far from uh, very uh, far from, from very far. yeah. Yeah, before we go here, just want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else that you're working on at Natural Gas Now or anywhere else that you think our listeners would be interested in? And where can people I, I, go to find that work? Yeah, naturalgasnow.org is my blog. And uh, uh, the issue that got me into this and the issue that still drives me to a large degree is the, uh, the fact that uh, my land that I own personally, that my family owns in Wayne County, we cannot drill because we happen to be located in the Delaware River Basin Commission, which has arbitrarily seized uh, our rights. Uh, they've seized our rights. They've, they've taken, our, taken our minerals, so to speak, by enacting a ban. They were previously just enforcing a, an illegal moratorium. Uh, they're in court on that. And uh, I believe there's some optimism that that case will eventually be won by landowners. But in the meantime, they've thrown up this arbitrary ban and it, it really, for, for, list, for your listeners, they should pay attention to this because it's not just about poor old Wayne County. It's about the fact that the DRBC, the Delaware River Basin Commission, has got the same governing majority as the Susquehanna River Basin Commission. The Susquehanna River Basin Commission is the one that I, that produce, that's the region that produces all the benefits we just talked about, you know, that those Northeastern Pennsylvania income benefits. That's where they're produced. And the, the SRBC is run by the same people as the DRBC. And if this ban is allowed to stand and the industry will be making a huge, huge mistake not to fight this, because if it is allowed to stand, uh, it is going to spread. And it's already starting to spread to the SRBC and there are people advocating to, to do the same thing there. And, and again, it's the appeasement argument. You sure. can't appease. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's the note I would wish to end on if I could. Great. Uh, yeah, my guest today has been Tom Shepstone. Please go check out his blog, Natural Gas Now. Tom, thank you for your time today. Yes, thank you, Alex. 